Every week we take you guys on an automotive journey and we remind you to get on to WrenchNation.tv where you can catch a, a lot of the past shows. We know you guys will dip in and out. And, of course, a big shout-out to our podcast family as well as our weekend listeners over at uh, KFNX 88.7 and 90.7. Susie Sockets is here. Susie, what are you doing? Hi, Frank. How is the garage, the business of the businesses? The garage is doing very well. Thank you for asking. Nuts and bolts behaving. Heck yeah. Carburetors dialed in. Heck yeah. No misfit fuel injectors. Well. <laughs> well, actually, guys, I got to tell you, before we dive into the news and announce uh, our very special guest, uh, we are seeing more of the direct injection uh, that's coming in the shop. And what does that mean? It just means that they move the injector directly on top of the piston in the combustion chamber. And a lot of you are saying, well, okay, I'm scratching my head. What's that mean? Well, you guys have to keep... That system, very, very clean. Think of your oven. Your oven's building up. It's coking up. You're cooking brownies, meatloaf, and once in a while, the Turkish cousin comes and he blows up the oven. (laughs) Think about that carbon, which is a black broccoli. All right. Once a year is good measure. And some of our Volkswagens are getting on those direct injection motors. They're getting that cleaning uh, every oil service. And why would you do that? Well, you'd want to ensure that you don't develop. Think of that shower nozzle in your bathroom. If that's got no atomization, in other words, it doesn't send you the nice little spray pattern. Because it's clogged. It's clogged. (laughs) So don't clog uh, your injectors. Don't go beyond that because what we're seeing is we're seeing replacement of these injectors. And that can get real expensive. Uh, Susie, I've got to announce this week, and we're so excited uh, again, you guys get on wrenchnation.tv, check out some of the past shows. But with over 25 years on the televisiones and all over the Internet on YouTube, Dennis Gage of My Classic Car has one of the longest-running shows. You've seen him. Yes, you have. You've been inspired. You've yes. seen some awesome salivating the lip just kind of, yep. oh, my goodness. What great was that? show. It is a great yeah. show, and he's inspired generations. Uh, with over 500 episodes, and we're honored uh, to have Dennis Gage of My Classic Car. And um, by the way, there was a life before My Classic Car, and you guys are going to be fascinated about what Dennis has done prior to that. And, of course, we're going to talk about our good friend Fireball Tim. Oh, he has created a series of coloring books. Of course, we've had Fireball on the show highlighting many, many automotive talents. Well, guess what? Dennis Gage has got the the oddball edition. Oh, so we're going to talk to him about that. And uh, but before that, I got to tell you, how many of you guys uh, you, you're driving your truck, and some of you will cheat. You're going to trailer, and you're saying, "Well, yeah, I can pull five couches, the recliner, the erector set, and my neighbor wants to pile on more." And you are pushing the limit to what that truck was designed to haul. Think about it. Okay. Now, y'all know you can look typically, uh, whether it's in the engine bay, there's a sticker, or more than likely, on the driver's side door panel, there's a sticker. I advise you guys check that. Well, Ford has said, you know what? You guys are goofing this up too much. Rear ends are going. Tires are wearing. Suspensions are... Because folks are just... We're pulling too much. We're pulling too much. So in 2021, Ford, with that F-150, will have onboard scales. What? For hauling. Oh, my gosh. Now, as a modern-day consumer, we need everything. We just want to turn the key. We want everything done for us. Well, we're going to have scales. 
All right, just, I thought about luggage scales at the airport. Has is well, the same it'd concept? be a simpler, uh, uh, a, a similar uh, principle. Uh, the scales show the truck's payload on the touchscreen, oh. which is cool. I mean, we see everything else on that screen, that center That's stack. True. I mean, Bree, would you or your little Toyota Tacoma? Would you like some scales? I would love that, and I'll tell you why. So I've been helping my mom by taking some stuff to the dump, right? And for me, it's just putting stuff in the back of the pickup truck. Sure. But it would be great to be able to know, hey, mom, we load, we've hauled out 500 pounds of junk. Yeah, mom, you got to keep. feel good? We can't take that ah. refrigerator. Mom, that refrigerator is going to stay back. So I like that. Look, the technology is our friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, be nice to your local mechanic because he is uh, updating his training for that, no doubt. What's happening in the weird section of the weirdness of the news there, Susie? Yeah, so this is kind of funny. So I think we've all played, what, follow the leader is what they call it? Sure. Right? Some we of us in the school, leader. some of us are still trying to figure out yeah, how to follow, follow something the leader, right? Yeah. What's the concept, basically? Well, you, you have a leader. Yeah. Yeah, you follow him, right? Like, uh, it could be even on a dance. Like, we're all holding hands, and I take you through that room and that room, and I take you under somebody's arms. Well, it's like the military. That's we good. used to, in the Navy, we'd stand in line. The Marines would line up behind us because they saw a line and we'd walk away and they would just be standing <laughs> there. Right. They were following the Navy. But That's anyway, right. my military people would know about that. So tell me more. Sure. So what happens if the leader makes a mistake? Does well, everyone follow? Well, some, I don't know. Some would say, okay, you made a mistake. What's next? I don't know. Okay. So let's talk about some roundabouts. Now, you know these. Oh, the roundabouts. Okay. I like those roundabouts. You like the roundabouts? Yeah. I'm seeing Bree. She does not like. Well, I think for municipalities, it cuts the cost down to traffic lights, and you have a roundabout, unless you violate the rules Nobody of knows roundabout. how to use them. Well, that They're could scary. be. Yeah, I don't that like could them. be. They are scary. You're absolutely right. But this particular rural Kentucky uh, uh, intersection, it's a long time for square stop. Gets about 4,000 cars a day. There has been some devastating collisions there. All right. So a couple weeks ago... They actually converted it to a roundabout. Oh, people not happy with their new roundabout? No. You know, the bottom line is there's a video out there where the leader actually... You mean the lead car? Is the this lead like, car, because they don't so, know how to use it. So this is like the lead car at the track. There's a lead car at the track <laughs> that actually takes an entire caravan of followers down the wrong way. There's a video that you can see this. New so what's the logic? Do you think he just, I mean, was that malice? Did he purposely? No, not at all, Frank. You know why? Because we installed, we put something there and we didn't teach the residents how to use it. Well, it's, uh, do you agree? I mean, you guys think you need to be taught on how to use a roundabout? That kind of sounds silly, Bree. No, I would say 100% that's something that needs to be taught if it's not standard <laughs> in your area. It's Maybe. not. Yeah, it's right. not. I say that, like, yeah. like with all due respect, like when... They started introducing roundabouts by the 202, like northern, or yeah. like kind of like north 202, like Greenfield area, university area, Brown. We didn't have people that knew what they were doing. So there's some that wait way too long. Well, right? I know. You look, just keep going. I know if a roundabout is not as popular with the peoples of the neighborhood, when you see the skid marks going about twelve <laughs> feet yep. off of the edge, right? So you can tell. Over. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, um, maybe that's something we can incorporate during an oil service in the garage. A roundabout. 
Training session. Training session. There you we go. will go out in the parking lot <laughs> with uh, our Joes and Jills with their trucks and cars. Well, and- when you talk about flow, do you guys, are you old enough to know about European uh, Lampoon's European vacation? Oh, God, love yeah. Okay, do you yes. remember when he got to the Big Ben turnabout? Yeah. Okay, and he just kept going round and round and round and like 50 <laughs> more times. He's still telling the kids, look, kids, Big Ben. Big, yeah. So this is the world we live in. You know, those intersections can cost big money. To set them up. It's yeah. a lot of smaller municipalities. Or you get you get the side streets. There's no reason to have this massive Broadway and, you know, 66th Street, New York City right, intersection. Right, And they will have, they call it something else. It's like a, uh, like a hush stop or something. I have to look that a up. hush stop. But, you know, when we saw these roundabouts over the last few years, yeah, you could tell all those beautiful yellow stripings and all of the warnings to let you know. It's like in Mexico, what they call topas, those little <laughs> speed bumps that look like triangles. <laughs> People just are stuck behind the wheel and where they got to go. And we have really? to all admit sometimes that happens. We wow. And here's this roundabout. Oh, boy, curb check that one. That's right. There's 71,000 across the U.S. So, uh, you know, they're very sparing, uh, sparingly put out there. But I think we should all know how to... Drive in a in a roundabout. All right, listen, I'm going to predict something. Uh, this has been coming out on the news here to switch the gears, and, and I'd love your thoughts. You guys can get on wrenchnation.tv or check out our Wrench Nation uh, social handles. Would love to hear your comments. We are ready to escape the COVID madness. Many of us are taking these mothball, black widow-ridden vehicles. You're bringing it into the garage so we can service and get them ready because you're going to grandma's house. Okay. All a gajillion of you at the same time. Now, what will happen there when there's two things going on? One, the volume of road trippers to come. And two, the shortage of fuel tank drivers. Oh. The tankers. There's a shortage. Some are predicting that we may see a shortage in gas over the summer. Which oh, will create yeah. what? Now, I'm not calling it a 1970s shortage where you had odd and even days and gas was ridiculous. But I don't know if I have an answer to that. Mm. Buy an EV, maybe. Oh, yeah. Plan your trip. But okay. there could be there could be an issue with that. Uh, the National Tank Truck Carry is an industry trade group who represents these tanker drivers, essentially said, well, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks were unemployed. Mm-hmm. Well, they're still trying to recover. And I think that's I think that's industry in general, mm-hmm. including our little old automotive industry, the shortage of skilled uh, skilled trade uh, workers, uh, whether they're welders or so I don't know what yeah. do we do. I hope not because I wanted you going to travel too. You'd almost have to have a a, a full EV vehicle, electric vehicle, because you know why? I can't imagine if if Mark and I took a road trip in the uh, in the Toyota Prius, which is a hybrid, because it only uses electricity below twenty five miles per hour. So I'd have to. I still feel like you're in better shape than the big daddy big block gas. The SUVs and whatnot. Now on that topic, a Honda plans to dump the internal combustion engine. Period. By 2040. Really? Yeah. In fact, there was a there was a meeting with the green team in the in the federal government agencies and such, and they basically said, "Well, we still have a good 20 years of gas." Now, I I'm saying we're still going to tinker, and we're going to ask our special guest Dennis Gage how that may affect car culture moving forward. Folks want to tinker in their driveway. Can they still tinker with a hundred million? 
lines of code like on the new F-150. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I want you guys to stay tuned. The unique, the fascinating, the eclectic. You've seen an incredible array of just wonderful cars uh, on the My Classic Car Show. It's been running for over 25 years. We've got Dennis Gage coming up next. Stay tuned. Meet you downstairs. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Bolt-on Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-on Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Vision collision. God forbid you get into an accident or you get a little bumper, fender, bender, slight, or even if you've got that shopping cart that ends up scratching the side of your newer ride. My friends at Vision Collision, they're certified. They deal with insurance companies, but also what I really like is they were able to deal with my situation. I didn't want to exercise my insurance. And I paid out of pocket, and they gave me a very fair price with quality work. So for any complete auto body paint and repair, you want that small business, the heart of business that treats you one-on-one. Vision Collision, 480-248-9049, visioncollision.com. When you're thinking about body shop or collision work, paint repair, dent repairs, collision, wheel restoration, Vision Collision is the way to go. Tell them Frank at Wrench Nation sent you, 480-248-9049, 480-248-9049, Vision Collision. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Don't forget to get on to WrenchNation.tv. Catch the Sunday podcast. I know you guys can dip in, out, dip in and out of the live show. And by the way, uh, which city has the most roundabouts? That's Carmel, the beautiful Carmel, California. California, yeah. There's 138. So be cautious, people, and slow it down. <laughs> With over 500 episodes, Dennis Gage of my classic car. You guys have seen that over the years, inspiring a whole new movement for future generations. Dennis has had the opportunity to hang out with some amazing people and places all across the globe. We'd like to invite in Dennis Gage. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Hey, uh, nice to be here, guys and gals. Yeah. So what's your theory on roundabouts, uh, Mr. <laughs> Dennis? Have you had your well, affair? I've been, I've been traveling to England since the 70s, and I'm fine with them, you know? And yeah. In fact, they go the other way around there. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's true. 
Uh, they've been around forever in the UK, and it seems like, uh, I don't know, in popularity for the last 10 years, it seems like some folks are still having trouble with their roundabouts. I think it's just the new concept yeah. thing. Well, well I, mean, can, I mean, just think of drifting, though. Just drift. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go. Thing, you know, and then just drift out of your, your exit. It's perfect. That's it. Uh, Dennis, you have been on television. You have kind of premiered so many different unique people, places in their automotive uh, rolling works of art. There was a life before my classic car, Mr. <laughs> Dennis Cage. We, we, we got to go back into history and have you share with folks about some of the pretty cool things you did before you uh, got onto television there. Yeah. Well, you know, I started out as a child. <laughs> um, and it kind of, it kind of just, it kind of just kind of went from there. Uh, um, but yeah, I know it's been a, it's, it's a, you know, like the, the late great Jerry Garcia said, what a long, strange trip it's been. Because um, it really has been. I, I, you know, I really did uh, start out as a child and just a small town country boy, uh, you know, grew up on a farm and, uh, and and then you know uh, and, and again now I'm on TV but there were there were some things between that um, uh, you know I wanted to get off the farm because farming is a lot of work um, yes we, we, the farm is still in the family and by the way this year is the hundredth year wow that's centennial awesome. farm congrats um, yeah but but it was like man there's got to be an easier way uh, than this. <laughs> And uh, so I, you know, I, I went to college, which was kind of the thing you did back then. Um, and you know, and, and it was it was like the, really the first generation of my family to do that. But I was pretty good with math and science and stuff like that in high school, and, and thought I should maybe go do that. Uh, so so I escaped the farm and went to college, and uh, did undergrad school, and and uh, you know, uh, majored actually in both chemistry and physics. Uh, I, had a, I had a triple major of mathematics, wow. which I dropped being the slack dog that I was. Um, and, you know, just didn't, didn't really want to do it. And then was going to, I did a bunch of quantum physics research. Did, you didn't uh, stop. Wow. You didn't stop. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was, okay, we got to keep continuing yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it was like, you know, quantum physics and all that. And I was supposed to go right on uh, to graduate school uh, as, and, and go into theoretical chemistry, theoretical physics. But I was like absolutely crispy, burned out, um, and I was also a musician uh, all my life. And I had uh, and I'd gone to a concert. This was like in, in, uh, in outside of Chicago, in like 1975, and the Eagles uh, concert uh, in, in a fairly small venue. But I but the warm up act had like a pedal steel guitar player who just like totally blew me away. And I said, man, I got to get me one of those. So I, I literally went out and bought one the next day and then, you know, taught myself to play it. And seven months later, I was touring, um, was playing with bands in Chicago area, and then I was touring and, and playing opening for Charlie Daniels and Waylon Jennings. Oh, neat. Um, so you, you went from this heavy duty, it seemed like you were in school since 1940, knee deep yeah. in a lot of physics, chemistry, and so on. And the music was calling. Um, as a child, did you did you have an attraction with music, or it was just that? that oh yeah, bug? no, I was, yeah. I was, you know, I played in all sorts of you know rock bands and folk folks, you know, the folk scene and you know high school bands. I play a lot of stuff, or I did. Uh, and you know, instead of going to grad school, I started a band and stuff, and my parents were so proud. Um, 
and, and after two years on the road, though, it was clear that that was going to shorten my life expectancy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, staring down the barrel of a 45 in Selma, Alabama, I said, you know, I think I'll go to graduate school. Wow. Um, so wait a minute. Yeah. So Dennis, somebody pulled a gun on you in Alabama? Is that what, uh, during a gig? Yeah, we were, well, it was a, you know, it was a, we played at a club uh, in Selma for like a week. And, then, you know, at the end of the week, it was like the, you know, the club owner goes, yeah, I didn't have as good a week as I thought, so I'm going to skip you for this amount of money. And we argued, he argued back, and he had, you know, artillery. Um, so he won. Uh, he did the typical rock and roll thing. You go back to the hotel, you trash the place, then you head to the <laughs> county line, uh, the state line, as quickly as you could at 3 in the morning. Um, and, you know, and then so I, I, I decided to go to graduate school, and and uh, was also kind of a winter uh, you know, camper and skier and stuff like that, and, and went out west and ended up getting a Ph.D. in chemistry at the University of Idaho and climbed most every peak in the Pacific Northwest at the time, and some of them in, in dead of winter and stuff, and and uh, was there when Mount St. Helens blew up, and that ended up being the, the basis of my thesis. Uh, so then I was like, Dr. Gage, what's up with that? Um, <laughs> Dr. Gage. And, wow. So tell yeah, us Dr. about Mount St. Helens. Um, you, you were, were you hiking, mountaineering? What were you, or was this just during a time? Well, no, I was, I was, we were living at uh, University of Idaho is, you know, basically on the Washington, Idaho border. Sure. Um, you know, 300 miles away from Mount St. Helens. But I, I remember it was like, uh, you know, 1980, um, maybe 20th, I think. And, you know, this thing's been like, you know, kind of smoking and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, man, there's a volcano out there. And we don't have volcanoes a lot, you know. Sure. It's not you like know, we're we, in the South we, Pacific or anything. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's like, what, you know, so what? It's a big deal. And there was this, you know, this Renaissance Fair that was happening that, that particular weekend. It was funny because I always, I wondered in like the 70s, where'd all the hippies go? You know? <laughs> and they, they actually all went to Moscow, Idaho, which was, which was I, So that was like a mini you know? hate Ashbury, uh, yeah, I would imagine. Totally sure. Yeah. And, and so the Renaissance Fair was going on, and I got up in the morning, I look out the window, I'm like, man, there's this black cloud on the western horizon. There's a storm coming in. I'm going to go to the Renaissance Fair before that hits and, you know, and commune with, with all these hippies. Um, and once I got there, though, it was clear. Going the word through the crowd was that ain't a storm. That's an ash cloud, and you know Mount St. Helens had blown the top off, and this was rolling across the state. We're three hundred miles away, and we got like two inches of ash. Wow! Yeah, um, no, that was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was crazy. It like went to blackest night. It rained ash for you know like like hours, um, and it wasn't until like nine o'clock that night that you kind of saw sun on the horizon. There may be a tomorrow. You know. <laughs> oh my. Um, it was crazy, and in the morning, like you woke up and it was like dead quiet. Even the birds were freaked out. They're like, "What is this?" Um, so that ended up, you know, I ended up being the guy that analyzed Mount St. Helens ash because I had this novel laser technique that was just, and I was just playing with it because it had a freaking laser on it. It was like, "Wow, look at this thing! It's a big honking laser." Um, and, and it turned out to be the one thing that could do it. So that was the basis of. Of that and, wow! And so the timing, the timing of all of this, uh, timing is everything. Unbelievable! You know, like, like, yeah. like, like show of hands, how many of you have had a volcano erupt just when you needed it? <laughs> I don't see anybody not, raising their hands right now. Come up. <laughs> Rarely do any hands come up in that situation. Oh my gosh! Um, 
Yeah. Well, that was pretty uh, significant. I mean, there, there was a, a, yeah. a contribution of science on your part that yeah, well, that helped. Yeah. Well, I'm that yeah. kind of, but I'm that kind of guy. You know, I am. Uh, <laughs> and and so, you know, from there I got a, uh, offered a gig at uh, Procter & Gamble. And so I went there as a, as a pure scientist, but then moved into product development, did, you know, most of their food products through the 80s. And, you know, one of the developers of Pringles and... And the crispy, chewy, you know, like the soft batch cookies, you know, crispy on the outside. That was oh, a big yeah. deal. Pringles. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. potato, well, potato chips were boring until Dennis Gage came around. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, but, we needed cylinders. And was that part of your engineering uh, background? Did you say, let's put, get it out of the bag and put it in but, a cylinder? But does Pringles yeah, contain any potatoes? Well, that's... Uh, they, they do. They, really, what they, what they are is uh, instant mashed potatoes. Oh. oh. Mashed potatoes made into a... a, a a, a dough sheet and then fried and poof, you know, you've got Pringles. Okay, the most, then. Uh, over-engineered food product uh, on the planet. Um, but from a marketing point of view, Dennis, I mean, you were part of that team. It was ingenious they were because it was, it was different. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and that was, a you know, so I, I, I did a decade there. And then, uh, you know, I was making an offer I couldn't refuse, and I became the, the head of global product development for a Bristol-Myers Squibb company. Um, and have you ever seen Boost? You know, the nutritional drink Boost? Oh, yeah. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, that's mine, too. I did that product uh, for, for Bristol-Myers. Nestle owns it now. So I did that, and I had this I had this uh, roving ambassador gig where I traveled all over the world, and, you know, it, and, uh, you know, it was kind of the liaison between marketing and, and technology because I was Dr. Gage, but I knew a lot of marketing from a decade at Procter Gamble. And, you know, I did that for five years, and I was like, you know, I just was fed up with it. And I actually was in Bangkok, Thailand, where I said, screw this. I cannot do this anymore. And I quit in Bangkok and uh, wasn't even sure how I was getting back here, but I did. And, uh, and, and the guy said, look, you know, I hear you. I understand. And do the rest of this. Asian tour, and then when you get back, you still want to, you know, resign. I'll I'll work that with you. And so I came back and said, no, I, I still want to resign. But but that was partly because I started to play around with this little show. Um, I met this guy, and he was looking for. He had an idea for a show. And he was looking for a host, and he couldn't find a host all over the country. It was TV guys that didn't know anything about cars, and car guys who couldn't put three words together into a sentence, and you know, and I was a, you know, I knew a lot about cars just because I'm a car guy and I was kind of a character and I had a hell of a mustache. Um, <laughs> and, and so we, you know, we did this, uh, this camera test and, and he's like, Hey, you know, you want to do this? And I said, yeah, you know, I got a good day job. Um, so in actually was like, that was like 1996. I got to ask that, you a question, uh, Dennis. I mean, yeah. this, this is an incredible journey, uh, quite the accomplishments. Magnus Walker has a TEDx talk that's pretty inspiring, and he does get, in general, knee-deep with the fact that you got to go with your gut. It always served him well. You had seen quite a few transitions, because a lot of folks are listening now, and they may be not so much in a rut, but they may not be feeling that particular gig at the time. How did you transition and say, you know what, I'm going full bore? Where were you at, sort of in a, in a spiritual place, minding and matching sort of the, the physical sense of what was going on in front of you? Well, I've, I've given, you know, like I gave the commencement address at my undergrad alma mater, and, and uh, uh, the whole theme of that was really 
the uh, the merits of uh, of failure and quitting. Because um, I'm actually a proponent of both failure and quitting. Uh, you know, you have to fail because that's how you learn. That's awesome. And you really learn all the ways that things don't work on your way to finding out how things do work. Um, and quitting is what you do when you can't figure out why you're doing what you're doing. You know, because so many people get stuck in dead end jobs and, and, and stuff that like that because they uh, they just won't trade this false sense of security for the fear of the unknown you know, for the unknown. And, uh, man, you know, it's just like life's too short. If, if you really don't like what you're doing, you need to go do something else. Yeah, and, you um, know, I think sometimes we, we get into sort of this drone mode of sort of this is our identity, mm-hmm. and we, we can't go beyond that. I think that's some of what you're saying regarding the whole failure point. I mean, failure should, to a certain degree, be accepted, but the courage is really what and, – and you, you – I mean, going back in history with what you've done, you had the courage behind you to take those steps. Yeah, well, I've always kind of just, uh, I don't know. I'm like, well, that looks interesting. I think I'll do that. Um, you, you know, and I get to a point a lot of times where I've, once I quit learning, then it's time to go do something else. You know, like I kind of got this figured out. Now I need to go do something else and figure that out. Um, so that's always been kind of a driver for me. And, I, you know, I, I think you, you, you know, you... Uh, I mean, even in tragedy, there's opportunity. You just have to. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, by the way, I think I can boil down my whole, my whole life. If I had to say, if I had to give advice to people, you know, in life, I could boil it down to two words, and it's pay attention. Attention you know, to detail. Stuff going yeah. on around you all the time, and and if you're not paying attention, you don't notice it. You know, yeah. and it's like. If you, you know, if you just have your peripheral vision, it's like you see something over there and go, "Huh, that's interesting." Huh, yeah. but, but 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 stuff. You know, we're it's like you know, right? My life's been the right place at the right time, but so much of that is is recognizing that you go, "Oh wow, oh this looks like the right place." Oh my God, look, it's the right time. Um, and and that's you know, it's just pay attention. Yeah. Well said, Dennis. If you're just joining us, Dennis Gage, uh, talented, uh, been around, gosh, since 1997 with the My Classic Car Show. We just dove into a whole series prior to the show, but I want you guys to see it too, because we are going to dive in to the very beginnings of the show and all of the unique and eclectic rides that uh, Dennis has seen over the years, uh, sharing some stories and picking his brain and then also figuring out the coloring book with Fireball Tim. He's got it oh, out. That's going to be cool. Uh, Dennis, hang in and with I us. And I really thought that the two words that are the two things that you were going to maybe advise people was uh, witness a volcano it. and grow a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> can't hate. It can't hate. Yeah. You, you guys stay tuned. Wrench Nation will be back with you. Funding for Wrench Nation Car Talk brought to you by Anytime Auto Glass, a family-owned full-service windshield replacement and repair company with a focus on hard work, integrity, and providing a no-hassle professional service for their windshield and vehicle tint clients. Anytime, autoglassaz.com or call 480-430-4597. Anytime, autoglass. 52% of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. 
charity partner, Tech Force Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking to 52% of these ladies out in the population. Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to techforce.org. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Get on to WrenchNation.tv. I invite you guys to catch your favorite episodes. Uh, God, we've got a ton of them. In fact, uh, a few weeks, I think, a few episodes back, a lot of you are getting into the suspension lift. You bought a new truck. Mm-hmm. Some great tip on tips on uh, with lifted trucks on yep. how to do that properly. Uh, we are honored to have a president and CEO of Mad Stash, Dennis Gage, and his team at My Classic Car has truly taken us over the years into a world of automotive goodness. Welcome back, Dennis. Great to be here. Back in 97, I believe the year was, here you are. TV wasn't necessarily full of automotive, unless it was a funny sitcom here and there with sights and sounds of some automotive. Uh, Would you say that you were kind of at the right place, right time, and maybe one of the first to really highlight with some sensibility and have fun the whole industry of classic cars and so on uh i mean yeah i mean uh i mean back then it was the you know the uh cable was in its infancy and you kind of had you know suddenly you had kind of niche networks uh and we started on tnn which was you know which was five days a week that was uh country music's mtv and that's um, right that's right hunting hunting fishing and cars the nashville network that's right and (laughs) and to this day to this day the reason we watch car shows on saturday and sunday mornings is because tnn trained us to do that 30 years ago 25 30 years ago and so this this show really was you know you you could do this back then You, you couldn't do this now to save your soul but you you know we were able to to create this show and and get it on um and it's a, it's just a complete, you know, you never know. It turned out to be basically, you know, catching lightning in a jar because it just worked. Well, that's um, Mr. Dr. Dennis Gage is always <laughs> in the right place at the right time. Yeah, hanging out over here by the volcano. Here's your invention. <laughs> giving us Pringles. For the lotto. If only the lottery. But, but everything else uh, has really been that way. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it took off and we, you know, we went through, I mean, I've lost several networks as they went away. TNN became Spike, which then became Paramount. And, and then, you know, we went over to Speed Vision, this little network, which became Speed when Fox bought it. And then that went away and became our, um, uh, FS1. Um, so, we, you know, I've really been through the mill, but I'm, but I'm basically the godfather um, of this whole category. I've, you know, I'm the OG. Um, <laughs> Well, we bow and praise. I, I tell you what, and I, I wanted to hear that um, from you for a reason, because you are a legend and an inspiration, not only just to, I'm just, I'm just saying it, Doc, uh, you are. Many of us, uh, and I saw this a lot on my social media and in, my, in some of sort of my, my conversations with folks, we're excited to have you on, but not to, to, to sort of condescend here, but you created a movement that said, hey, you know what? I have a build and maybe, and this is way before YouTube, obviously, but you gave a oh, yeah. lot of other folks like the Kindigits of the world and, and so on the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Okay, I've been doing this automotive thing for a while. 
I'm going to highlight this funky Volkswagen bug. That's my well, project. That's I mean, with, with like, I mean, I was the first guy to put Dave Kindig on TV, as a matter of fact. And Back, what was it, 08, right? Wasn't it? Rod, so yeah. Yeah, it yeah. a long time ago. And, and most, there's a lot of shows out there now that can really, you know, trace their lineage one way or another back to mine. But I think, I think overall, just from the hobby standpoint, you know, back in the 80s, you know, if you weren't in this hobby, you didn't even really know it existed. And the, the one thing I'll credit my show for really is to bring, is, is bringing the car hobby to the general population. You know, as, as we said at P&G, you know, it's, it's the general pop. But, but you know, it, it took it outside this hobby that if you, if you weren't one of us, you weren't one of us, you know, to... You know, suddenly people see a car show on TV. They go, yeah, it looks, kind of looks like fun. Here, there's one in town next week. I think, I think we'll go check it out. And the hobby, as has the aftermarket, which follows it. I mean, the hobby's strong because the aftermarket's strong, and the aftermarket's strong because the hobby's strong. But all of that stuff was really driven by television. By, it was by you know the early days of, of automotive television kind of got a, exposed this hobby to a broader population, and it just exploded. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine, I mean, from, from kids, inner cities, South Bronx, uh, to, I mean, literally, to Southern California, Florida, North Dakota. Um, and by the way, guys, get on to myclassiccar.com. Treat yourself. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of you are binging in this bother, and that. Don't bother with that. Go to YouTube. Go to our YouTube okay. channel. Okay, YouTube Let's channel. Leave, Very good. My Classic Car TV on YouTube. Go to YouTube. Uh, well, speaking sure. of that, so uh, one of my favorite episodes is going to be the one that you did here in Arizona, and that was uh, with Mr. Ernie Adams with the oh dwarf God, cars. Ernie is such an amazing guy. That was one Jeez. of my favorite episodes. Have you ever met him? I have not, but I would love oh, to. Geez. Yeah, he's just uh, go there. He's, he's just, out of Maricopa. He's out there. The dwarf yeah, car museum. Yeah, he is so incredible. I, you know. I know everybody, and I've never met anybody like Ernie Adams. Well, it's funny because when Frank was talking about, you know, dumping out a refrigerator, you know, this whole episode was based on cars being made out of some of these refrigerators. That's what he started with. He made a car out of seven or nine, I can't remember, refrigerators, and, you know, because a lot of good sheet metal Uh um, in a refrigerator. (laughs) And he got the idea just in a junkyard. There was like a wheel laying against the refrigerator. He goes, oh, you know so it looks like a car. You, you guys check out. That it was. You got to check out the episode. Well, check out YouTube uh, for sure with My Classic Car. But if you want to dive deeper with Ernie's outfit, DwarfCarMuseum.com. Very cool stuff. All handmade custom cars. Oh, oh. <laughs> a dwarf cars. I mean, I mean just, oh, 11, yeah, they're dwarf. 11 scales. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Great. I, I got to ask you from, uh, all right, so you're sitting down. You've got your camera, man, woman. You've got your team. You've got your calendar laid out over the years. And here comes this movement of, I, I don't know what exact year, but social media. And then there's this new Madison Avenue uh, word called millennials. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> like we went from Xers, boomers, the Billy Idol generation, the boomer. Gen- and during the course of your many years on TV, did you ever, with your team, get a little nervous initially about what was said millennials will never get in a car culture and 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 if you if you did have to address some some of that demographic shift was that a conscious effort or did dr dennis say hey i'm going to do this show and bring people into an amazing world regardless what was your 
What was your thought yeah, on that whole transition? It was, more the, it was probably more the latter. Uh, I, I don't, I don't uh, do a lot of hand-wringing over that. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of people do, um, and, and I know SEMA does, and I was on the board of directors for seven years, and, and you know, and there's a lot of this, you know, my, my paws and whiskers, what are we going to do, you know? Um, but, yeah, I know, I know young people aren't that in, into uh, cars like, like we were, um, but they're not going to be young forever. And part of the reason they're not into cars is, for one thing, the hobby's becoming ridiculously expensive. You know, I mean, it's not within reach like it used to be. I mean, I mean, we got into it because it's cheap. And these cars were cheap. They were easy to fix. And, you know, yeah, it's what you did. Um, they aren't cheap anymore. They're stupidly expensive. And uh, uh, it takes money to do this. Well, you don't have money when you're young. You have money when you're old. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, I always, I always, it's a twist on the who's, uh, my generation, you know, hope I die before I get old. My twist on that is, less, unless you die, you're going to get old. And, mm-hmm. and once, you know, if you, if you make it there, you know, you, 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 you amass a certain amount of, you know, personal wealth or, or you know, uh, holdings, or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, and things change. So I guess I look at it like, well, look, they're not making any more 69. Well, it's a bad example because they are actually making 69 Camaros. Yes. <laughs> Dynacorn is. But, but let's, okay, so they're not making any more 54 Kaisers. They're not making any more, you know? Um, and the ones that are still here ain't going anywhere. These things are going to, you know, I mean, this, the car I'd be probably almost like it is right now will live just like it is right now forever because these cars are just going to get passed around. They're still going to be cool and they'll be cool to these younger people when they get older they become a form of art they become a status symbol they become a lot of different things uh you know and cars of their youth that you know the, the, the hot hatches and things like that those are going to be really hot you know there's going to be these all these xers and stuff that are you know like restoring you know 80 crx's um so I don't wring my hands about it quite as much. And, you know, and yeah, it's all going electric. It's got to go electric. It's the right thing. Uh, there'll always be gas. Um, there'll always be gas for toys. And that's what these cars really are. Nobody's daily driving a 54 Kaiser. Um, they're toys. And so there'll always be gas. And you know what? The aftermarket will always make stuff to make whatever you're driving Go faster and look better. I got to ask you happen. on that point. Aftermarket's it's huge. What we do. Yeah, you know, aftermarket's what huge. We do. Yeah, uh, SEMA. Yeah, I mean, you said on the board is a forty billion dollar a year market. Currently, um, I want to I want to bring this up, and I have to inject interject. There's a lot of industry folks that listen to the show, and currently there are white papers out. SEMA did a whole big study on how are we going to address the fact, and let's stay away from legislation now, the, the Massachusetts Right to Repair Act, there's a, a, an appeal against that uh, by, by the OEs, but I want to get in the weeds there, but how is a modern-day technician going to be able to do a lift kit with ADAST or uh, have to get into the center stack? You served with uh, SEMA. Is that of concern currently for the performance aftermarket, or as it is, as it is just as you said, hey, you know what? We've gotten through it before. We'll get through it again. What are your thoughts there on technology and, and well, the aftermarket? I, I think it's we've got through it before. We'll get through it again. But SEMA plays a huge role in that. I mean, they're I mean they're you know are on the ground people in D.C. and then there's you know I mean there's a legislative component to this. Um, but 
but you know, the American industry is really uh, innovative, and you know, if there is a buck to be made, we're going to figure out how to make it. <laughs> this is and, true. This is and, true. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I don't. I don't have, you know, quite the percent. Yeah, man, I, 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 you know, there's not going to be gas, you know, new internal combustion cars some years in the future. That's just the way it is. But the ones that are here ain't going anywhere. My God, you know, Leno's still playing with 100-year-old steam stuff. Steam, yeah, those um, Stanley steamers. And by the way, guys, yeah, tuning in, you know, got to go on a YouTube and check out. I, I watched, I guess back in, you, you did a whole like 20 year ago or whatnot in 2000, Jay Leno's playing around yeah. with the Stanley steamers. And I love the fact that you guys both, you're not only highlighting the car, but you're in there tinkering, is it? It wasn't like Jason, oh, hey, Louie, come fix the car. Absolutely. And, you know, and now what we're releasing on YouTube is releasing a lot, all the raw footage from those shoots 20 years ago. It's just, it's just really a lot of fun. It is it's fascinating. It's just how it went down. I mean, it's not like editor. It's just how it went down. Yeah, no and sizzle. And it just, yeah. his stuff like it's crazy. You know, it's just amazing. He's, he's, and, uh, you know, so I... I, 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 these, you know, they're toys. The steam cars are toys. Muscle cars are toys. They're all just toys. Now, we're, none of us are commuting in those. So, fine. You know, and toys will live forever. I think the child at heart, as we get sure. older and then the the wallet of heart gets a little bigger, then, yeah, I, that's yeah. a great point you make. I don't think... Uh, I don't think otherwise. Uh, I got to ask you, you've collaborated with a ton, done a lot of work with Jay Leno. Uh, Fireball Tim, uh, our good friend out of uh, Southern California. We've done a lot of stuff with him. <laughs> Wheels and Waves in the uh, Murphy Auto Museum. Has an amazing series of coloring books. What's that phone call like? Fireball says, uh, Dr. Dennis Gage, we'd like to have you on the cover. What were your thoughts about that edition? Yeah, it was really weird. It was out of, out of the blue. And, and Fireball is an amazing Yes. I, I really wasn't familiar with him. And it's a weird way we got together. It really, the link is kind of, oddly enough, the link is Eddie Munster, kind of. Um, that's a long story. But anyway, so <laughs> Fireball really does kind of, he does call, call me up out of blue and says, hey, you know, this is who I am, this is what I do. And, you know, I think you'd be a, a, a great subject. And, you know, we need a theme uh, if we're going to do this. And I'm so I checked him out a little bit, and I'm going, okay, theme, well, you know, uh, I hate the name of the show, my show, by the way, my classic car. It just sounds so stodgy. Why and though? Is that? I mean, it was a, just, back then, and in, 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 you'd figure in '97. Okay, that would be suitable. Did the as the years progressed, did you just say maybe wasn't the great? I mean, how, how's that? Yeah, well, you know, it was suitable, but I still hated it. I hated it then because um, we just do everything, you know, and 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 especially as the show found its stride, you know, because I've been doing this so long. And of course, you start out doing the mainstream stuff, but I've just, I've been Cuda Camaro Mustanged to death. And, <laughs> you know, and it's not that I don't love all those cars and I haven't, and I've owned all those cars, but, you know, after all this time, I'm looking for stuff that you just don't see every day, you Eclectic, know, because you're not yeah. going to see it at every car show. And it's like, I, I'll stumble on something and go, man, oh, man, I've never seen one of these. Oh, my God, it's been forever. And, and so, the show's kind of become known for that, wow, I, I didn't know that existed, or man, I haven't seen one of those forever. And so the, you know, the theme of the, the coloring book became orphans and oddballs, you know, orphans being orphan marks like Matt, you know, they don't exist anymore, Nash, Studebaker, you know, uh, Hudson. Um, and then oddballs, there's just a lot of weird stuff out there. And so that's what it is. And what I like about Tim, uh, Fireball, is, is that he, uh, you know, his automotive renderings are really 
pretty uh, uh, true, pretty accurate. But then he puts those renderings in these fantasy environments. Yes. You yes. know, it's, it's like it's, it's like accurate renderings in fantasy environments. And for a coloring book, what a combo. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. You know, you've got all this stuff. It's like, okay, I can color the car. It's red. You know, that's boring. But then there's all this stuff going on in his illustrations, and it's so much fun. And, you know, his Sid Mead book, you know, Sid with all this, you know, futuristic, crazy stuff. And, of course, my good friend and, and pers- one of my personal heroes, uh, Gene Winfield. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, great customizer. You know, so it's, uh, you know, I- I'm glad Fireball found me because I I think he is a unique talent. And, uh, you know, it's a fun book. I mean, he came out with this, I think, really cool book. Somewhere there was a volcano going off, I think, Dr. <laughs> Gage. Uh, I see you're in the right place Show at the right hands. time. Show of hands. How many people? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, you guys can check that out. Uh, FireballTim.com, uh, going to Amazon. It is really cool, the Dennis Gage's Orphans and Oddballs coloring book. 20 of the kookiest, weirdest. We all love odd and weird, I might Susie. have to have a coloring book. Cause I, yeah. I have the Camaro oh, one, and I have the Tony Dow one. I need an Orphan's cool. Oddball. Yeah. This one is cool, I got to tell you. And I and I love that. I, I do want to address something. We've got just a few minutes. Um, many, many of our listeners across the country, uh, in fact, we've got some Australian listeners. A lot of them are young technicians up and coming. We mention technology a lot. Sometimes we'll nudge folks and say, is the mechanic going the way of the elevator man? Of course, we say hashtag fake news. We're going to evolve. What would you say to a youngster that is just getting started and may feel like his passion for fixing cars doesn't mate up with the environment that he's in and he feels like quitting? Yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, yeah, you got to do it, but does feel right. But, and I just don't, I don't know if there's many better gigs out there, frankly. I mean, the, the, you know, if, if you can get, become a certified tech these days, and it is, I mean, it ain't just wrenching. You really do have to understand the computer side of it and all that, but it's all out there. It's all achievable. Um, and you can do it anywhere. I mean, you can take, you can take that skill and you can do it in Anchorage or you can do it in, you know, Phoenix, or you can do it in Bangor, Maine, because it's needed everywhere. Pay is good. Um, you know, pretty soon you're going to be able to, you know, almost dictate your pay because these people are in short supply. So I'm like, look, you know, I mean, it's worth the work. You know, get good, get certified. This is a great gig. Absolutely. I, 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 I really think it is. I think, you know, again, it's got a fit. You might, you know, you might be in this and it feels terrible and it might not be right. That just can be a fact sometimes, you know, but, but. But if it, if it seems hard, well, that's not a problem. Just, you know, tough it out and, and, you know, and figure it out because it's a pretty darn good gig. Dennis, you are looking at one of the most, you've covered quite a, few, quite a few of the sort of orphans and oddballs, if you will. Is there a particular place or vehicle that has eluded you and you were after? Is there anything that we could kind of dig deep and maybe get some Secret sauce stuff coming in the future. Some scoop. Some scoop. Uh, <laughs> no, coming up. You, it's like it's like the discovery process. I the, the the car I'm looking for is the one I've never seen. You know, so it's not like I'm searching this thing that I know what it is. I'm I'm looking for the this thing to pop up in my path. 
it's like Carlos Castaneda. Uh, you know, it's like you only eat the mushrooms that pop up in your path. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> uh, what about um, that one vehicle of Greg Ovist, his his rear find? Well, we had uh, just real quick on, on Greg Ovist, a great local guy here. He's uh, he's actually, when this was done, I guess back in the, in the 50s, if you were a mechanic, uh, this was before Bondo, and you had, okay, here's the Corvette, here's the Bel Air. Uh, here's this ride. Well, he actually bought, and we have that on our YouTube channel. We're not trying to self-promote here, but the car was a one of one. One of one. We went out and filmed it, and it truly had all kinds of eclectic arrangements. But, Dennis, what made it special was this was all hand-tinkered, paneled, popped, hammer, no fancy, little weld, nothing fancy for way back when. And and so I think what Susie is saying on the lines of our friend out in Maricopa, the, the sort of... Yeah, the, the, Ernie Adams. Ernie Adams. The dwarf cars. You find that extremely fascinating. And I think you really get jazzed when you can share almost like... What is the cooking show, fellow? God bless the guy who passed away. Help me out. Oh, travel the world, uh, oh. Anthony. Help me. Oh, oh, oh. Come on. That, uh, no, Anthony. Nope. No, that's wrong. Uh, uh, Bourdain. Bourdain. Thank you, Good Bourdain. Job. What I'm saying, and this is official, Doctor Gage, oh, you boy. are really bringing that whole element of world-like togetherness behind the automotive, like yep. food and in that sort of culture was, and that's. That's inspirational, and that's why I'm trying to get you for some secret sauce. What's coming up? <laughs> Are you going to go to Papua New Guinea? <laughs> my, philosophy, my philosophy is that everybody gets to play. Because that's the thing. Some people are like, well, you know, you don't have grease on your fingers. You're not one of us. Or, by God, that's not a real classic. Or that's it. Hey, everybody gets to play. I mean, this hobby's got something for every budget, every garage. I mean, and, and, and it's all cool. Everybody gets to play. And we need to play in life, We need man. a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Susie's going to call corporate there, Dr. Gage, and we're going to figure out how we trademark that one. <laughs> well, I tell you, it is an honor. In fact, we will have Gene Winfield on uh, next month. Nice. And, um, well, he's awesome. He is an, oh, my gosh, he's uh, incredible. And we'll have Magnus. We're hopeful. But, okay. but the point is this, Dennis, we're, we're going to uh, – Bring you up because of you course. do take us on a journey, and I, I honestly got to extend this big hugs gratitude. If you're ever, of course, we're out there in Southern California periodically, but certainly if you come down, uh, you know we're kind of past that whole Scottsdale Car Week thing. But man, if you're ever in the Arizona Phoenix uh, area, we'd love to give you a tour of the garage. And our little '56 Hudson isn't quite the oddball, but uh, we'd love to do a little walk around with you with the little '56, honey. <laughs> I love it. Can't, honor. Can't pass it up. In honor to have you on, yep. folks. Catch a YouTube, my classic car. Really binge watch and take yourself on a fantastic journey. Uh, and bring the kiddos in, man, because that's what it's about. It's Mr. Dennis Cage. Affair. It is. We got to keep it happy. And we're post-COVID. You guys need to tinker. You had enough time tinkering behind that digital screen. Go get under a hood and play with a carburetor. I think bit. this was one of my favorite shows. I think so, too. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. Dennis Cage. It's been one of my favorites also, actually. Well, I want to give a shout-out. Speaking of favorite... Our good friend, Mark Green. You guys catch Mark Green, oh, yeah. Cars mm-hmm. Yeah, because Mr. Dennis Gage is going to be on our friend Mark Green's Cars oh, Yeah nice. show. Big shout out to that. Dennis, you're oh. spending time with us, and we so appreciate that. <laughs> My we're, pleasure. We're going to follow up, maybe catch up with you. 
Uh, and and if you ever get to Papua New Guinea and see what's on four wheels, we want to know about that. So <laughs> we'll follow up with you. Dennis Gage, my classic car. Thank you so much. Thanks, Susie. Thanks a lot. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And that's what it's about. I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it. but very interesting how he made that point. How many of you would agree, and we say this respectfully, young or, you know, older folks, whatever, there is this sort of transitional period, and there I've is. never heard it put it that way. Some said, well, technology will do this, and yep. some would argue, well, they're doing LS swaps and Teslas, you know. But it is just where we're at in life, you yep. know, and we got to play, and why not play in the automotive underhood, That's undercarriage right. Oh, my industry. gosh, this yeah. was one of my favorite shows. And I got to admit, anytime I see on World News that a volcano has erupted, we're that's who I'm going to think of. <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> and, hey, guys, I remind you, get on to uh, Fireball Tim, good friend Fireball Tim. He's got a whole slew of great coloring books and just a gifted artist behind some of uh, some awesome. amazing movies and just a great spirit of a human yeah. being. So, Again, guys, get on WrenchNation.tv. Uh, thank you very much, our weekend Saturday radio listeners and our podcast family. As I tell you every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic. Ah!